New format woes. Fans around the world are left disappointing, and Sergio Perez remains king of the streets. This is Into the Chicane, a Formula One podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Channing Apodaca, joined as always by my man, Brandon Wood, the new father. How you doing, bud? Uh, you know, a little tired, but we're here. Excited. That's good. Uh, congratulations to you and the missus, Miss uh, Susie Wolf Stan account. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. We're, uh... Yeah. Um, how are you enjoying fatherhood so far? Is it everything it's chalked up to be? Absolutely. You know, it's, it's a blessing. Uh, I've been uh, granted a lot of uh, extra time to watch uh, some racing, uh, a little extra uh, practice uh, time. Uh, so can't be... Uh, can't be complaining too much. Yeah, I can't be complaining too much. That's good. Um, uh, for those of you guys listening, we are we're doing this for the first time remotely. Um, Brandon, as we just said, he's uh, spending time with the baby, so we're doing this uh, in two different locations. Even though we're in the same city, we're doing this apart. Um, so any technical difficulties, suck it. We don't care. Um, let's get into this, uh, like I was calling it earlier before we got started, this black cloud that people are calling the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Is this, is it really um, a black cloud? Is it really as dramatic as everyone's making it out to be? I would say, I think so. Um, with, and the reason I say that is because with everything that they put into this weekend, like this whole dropping a bombshell that they were calling the shootout weekend, you know, this new sprint format, the sprint shootout. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that this was supposed to be this new bright star, and it it could not have been more lackluster. I, I maybe disagree. The rate, the feature race, maybe was could have been better, but it's as to be expected from you know the current set of of uh, cars and competition. And uh, you know, I, I I was kind of actually really looking forward to the the change in the format. I thought the just one practice session was going to maybe shake things up a little bit. Uh, yeah, I was excited about it. You know, we had, what was it, four sessions total or five sessions total? We had FP1, um, qualies, sprint shootout, the sprint race, and then the Grand Prix. So five five different sessions, and only one of them was a practice. That sounds like a good deal to me. Yeah. Um, except for the fact that the four that mattered most, everything outside of FP1, were boring as hell. Yeah. Well, I mean, the fact that the qualifying for Sunday was on Friday made it a little more interesting on Friday watching, you know, like there's a lot more at stake than just set up for, for the next day, you know. It was pretty weird. There's a lot more at stake on a Friday. And then in the following two days, certain, certain teams and drivers could give a shit about what was happening. And then all of a sudden, the stakes are re-raised on Sunday. I think for the bottom half of the field, you know, Williams. Oh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't actually say Williams, but maybe like the Haases, Alpha Alpha Tauri, Alpha Romeo, and you know, who else could we throw in there? Who's at the back? I guess Logan Sargent and the Williams. For them, it didn't matter. The whole shootout didn't matter. You have to make top eight in order for anything to, to count. All you're doing is sure. burning engines, burning gearboxes. Um, so that was that was. That's weird. I, I can see that. I think that maybe maybe a better fix would be to give points further down. But then it's it's like how many points are you giving out for a short sprint race? You know. Yeah, you know what would be an interesting thing is uh, to have a smaller grid. If you don't qualify for a certain, you know, maybe they only have the top fifteen actually take part in the sprint if you mm. don't qualify within a certain time. I've seen suggestions like. 
doing a reverse grid order for the sprint. Yeah, I don't like that. I've I've heard reverse grid order a lot. I don't think you sh- you know this is a constructor series. It's it's best of the best. I don't think punishing teams for doing well in a qualifying session is the right way to go. Even though, I mean, it would make it fun and they would have to drop it as a surprise. Like you never know which weekend it's going to happen, you know? Yeah. That's the only way. Otherwise you would have teams completely. If you knew going into a quality session that it was going to be a reverse grid order, obviously you're not going to go and put in your best times. Yeah, well, so, yeah. I mean, if that's the way that they're planning on doing it, I would, I'd be well, interested in it, seeing that. So I don't think that's the right way to go about it though. Well, you know, if they did it where it's like, oh, Friday, you set your qualifying time for Sunday, but that's the qualifying mm-hmm. time that they do the reverse order on. So, you know, the t- people would still be incentivized to get a good qualifying time because they want to have that on Sunday, but gives it opportunity for the guys at the back of the grid on Saturday to possibly, you know. Oh, you mean doing the sprint position. race yeah. as a reverse grid order? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I never saw it that way. Yeah. So like you, uh, they have they do the quali and then they do a sprint race in reverse order. Yeah. And then oh, inter- uh, yeah, I never, I I always took it as, uh, you know, you qualify and then they just flip the script and whoever finishes twentieth is now starting on pole and yeah. you know vice versa. But that that would be the way that the Grand Prix works. And I always was like, how would that work? Period. You would literally have to surprise teams, bit you know. Surprise after qualities being like this is now a, a reverse grid weekend. Yeah. Wow, I'm dumb. I never I never yeah. put two and two together. But then on it's that. like if it's a short if it's a short sprint race, how much time do you have to make up uh positions if you're further back on the grid and all that kind of stuff? It's it's like it's tough, but yeah, it would be interesting to see. Still at the same time you're awarding mediocrity because there if if it's a sp- a seventeen lap race like this one was there's a good chance that those top 10 who really don't deserve to be there are going to get points. And if you're going to get points, that means you're going to get a hefty paycheck at the Mm -hmm. end of the season. Yeah. So awarding teams that money for shitting their pants all season, or at least in this one qualifying session, probably isn't the way that the FIA wants to go about it. They don't want to give away money to – they don't want to give money to Haas is what the FIA doesn't want to do. I mean, They really don't. Um, In like close – title contentions i can see where it's a good opportunity for maybe somebody to make up points in a weekend when they wouldn't normally be able to and like you can mm-hmm. see somebody maybe losing out you know like we saw in the f2 uh series like iwasa totally didn't even finish the sprint race and there was there was eight points that he lost right there and lost him the points lead so yeah, before the weekend yeah, was even over, I didn't yeah. get the chance to watch the F two race. Yeah, so it's like there can be complications for for not doing well in the sprint. It's not like it's you know completely waste of time like some people thought it was. You know, some of the drivers mm-hmm. especially. You know, but I thought it was I thought it was interesting. We got to see the great moment of uh, Russell giving Max damage going into turn two. And then, uh, yeah, I'll say, you know, as much altercation as I, I really hated this race there, it, there were small moments in each, each part of the weekend. Um, and that, that soundbite I think is going to live on forever in, in F1. It was so good. Well, then you can expect, you can expect the same. Yeah. Even though, (laughs) yeah. And though, even though like with what Max said, it's like, well, he's, he shouldn't really be one to complain, but at the same time, it's like. Of course, you if if you someone makes a move on you like that, you know, 
Yeah. Give him go. go I mean tell that him, tell that was a near perfect move from George. I don't want to hate on him for for going for the move uh, and for trying to make it. But if you're yeah, gonna no. make contact and you're gonna put a watermelon sized hole in the side of somebody's car, then you have to own up to the repercussions of that. And the way that he just scoffed and walked Max off. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, said, you know, oh, well, it's you know, proving no, everything that we've yeah. had to say about him this year. Yeah, he had no grip. So. Yeah, n- n- nobody else had grip. Nobody else had grip going into that turn, but you're the only one that made contact, George, and that's now your reputation. I'm not letting it go. Until he goes half a season or a whole season without touching somebody into one of the first turns, I'm going to I'm gonna hold on to it. Yeah, it was just... Fo- I think Max had every right to be a Max Hole in that situation. Even Yeah, even though it's you can say, Max, all right, you need to calm down because you've done the same thing. It's It was still funny to see them go at each other. And I, I, I applaud it, and I want more of it. Oh, 100%. Please. I want 100%. everyone, I, all the way down the grid, all these little... Oh, I want to see rivalries all the way down. I want to see people bumping yeah. elbows. I I'm actually surprised Nate that Max... Names. Um, yeah, I, I'm surprised that Max remained as calm as he did because we've seen him lose his shit in in park Fermi before you know if you go back to what was like 2017 when he pushed esteban ocon off the scale yeah he'll lose his shit on you he'll fight you max is a dog we all know that but i thought he like he played it pretty cool um but yeah i I thought overall the you know from fp1 all the way down to the grand prix i think it was boring and i think that's the general sentiment from f1 twitter the f1 geosphere is that this is one to forget I say a lot of times on this show, you know, this race will go down as, and I think this race will go down as just one. I, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think it could be, we could be applauding Checo for the great drive that he put in. And uh, yeah, I'm not going to take away from, you know, and the good things that people did, like, especially Checo. He will, you know, well, I guess we might as well talk about it right now. Checo put up a great, you, normally we call him the Mexican minister of, defense he put up a great offensive effort in this race max got a little bit unlucky with the safety car coming and i thought that was a a uncharacteristic bad call from the red bull team because there was yellow flags in sectors one and two we had a similar conversation about george russell and his bad pit um in australia uh you know anytime there's a yellow flag in a sector do not pit wait yeah don't pull your driver in because that that yellow flag can turn into a full safety car, and then you've just mucked your yeah. entire race. And that's kind of what happened well, to Max. I, and I think this is part of what why I thought this weekend was pretty interesting, actually, because we got to see Max, and another weekend where Max is kind of like caught, caught out a little bit, and he's not winning, and you kind of see <laughs> what happens and how, he, how his personality changes when he's not winning. Not everything's going yeah, the way he's, he wants uh, to. Yeah, he's calmed down a little bit. I I don't know. Calm down quite a bit. I mean, part of the reason he was so he was already struggling with his tires a little bit before they made that call. Mm-hmm. So he was kind of, I think he was stressing. He was he knew he needed to get. Uh, at that, I think at that point he was still behind Charles when he got hit, or when the when the safety car happened. Oh, you're talking about the, yeah. Um. No, he had passed Charles on lap four. Him and Checo were were clear of them. Yeah, so but um, it was on lap twelve or fourteen that I think that that safety car came out. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, Uh, And then Checo took the lead, and 
he held onto it. He created, you know, once that once the race got going again, he really distanced himself, and he kept at one point a two plus second lead on Max. Max had no pace to keep up with Checo. I don't know if it's just Checo in the streets or if Checo is really putting his foot down and driving for himself this season. But I'm fucking here for it. Yeah, no. I think the rest of the world is too. I think everybody's on Team Checo right now, and it's not to take away from Max. Everybody knows I love Max. Yeah. But just you know, I, I love a good underdog story. That's how I became a Max fan. Was when he was fighting against Lewis, and now he's got an underdog to deal with on his on his own. Um, so that's a good little you know little thing to come out of this race. Um, let's go back to uh, break down a little bit more of the uh, the sprint race. So we had we talked about Checo, or sorry, we talked about Russell and Max's damage. Um, Safety car took up a couple laps there. Yeah, that was kind of a bummer. For such a short race, you hate to see like five, six laps get eaten up. Yeah, at that that. point, red flag it. I think anything over three laps, red flag it. But the short race, you know, it's it's tough. You got to save racing. I mean, that turned into an 11-lap race. That could be potentially why it started off on such a bad foot. The whole weekend itself, except for Nick DeVries. He started out uh, embarrassingly bad on Friday. Did he crash on Friday or did he crash uh, in the shootout? Yeah, yeah. He's, he was, he's for caused, uh, I don't know, if practice, I think. Yeah, I, yeah, he, yeah. It was in qualifying that he uh, he was having problems with his brakes, ended up going into the wall as well, caused a red flag geez. during the qualifying, so... He just was having problems Let's all weekend. Let's talk about him for a second. We are four races into this season, and I think Nick DeVries has bought himself a one-way ticket back to Formula E. I don't know. What do you think? I don't I don't think so. Is it too soon to call? I think so. I think they're having a lot Might of issues be, with the car. But he doesn't still. look good. Yeah, I mean, he's been struggling, no doubt. Yuki's definitely been putting in some great performances that don't make Nick's look as great. So it's it's hard to judge when you're looking at them, both of them together, but they're also, you know, they, they've been having problems with the car a lot. And you could see throughout the weekend that it was something with his brakes on the, yeah. during the race. I mean, that was his fault. He clipped the wall and broke his, his, yeah, suspension, just, or his wheel and that was it. It is such a fall from grace for what we saw from him last season when everybody, you know, we were all singing his praises because he drove, uh, was it the Williams, the Aston Martin, and the Alpha Tauri? Yeah. I don't know if he he drove all three of them. Did he drive the Alpha Tauri car last year? Maybe in the... Uh, I could be wrong on that. I don't know. I could be wrong on that. It might have just been the Williams and the Aston Martin. It was the Mercedes. Did he drive a Mercedes in this like in a practice session or something? Yeah, and he was he drove like, yeah, he was like the reserve in the for race. a little bit. Yeah, uh, yeah, but either way, he drove three cars last season and he did phenomenal in every session given the equipment provided. And everybody, we were all singing his praises last year and going into the season. And now, man, he just hasn't looked good at all. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I feel like he's going to have at least another season to be able I to. This is Red Bull we're talking about here. Yeah, I mean... They, they switch drivers more than anybody. This is That's literally what they're known for, is swapping seats, especially on that second team. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. The, 
This is the f- fourth round. Yeah, it's early. So it's early, but we're early. I think. I think if he actually gets a couple good drives in, at some point the season will uh, will be good. So yeah. So hopefully he'll be able to turn it around. Um, more in the sprint. Uh, Checo takes uh, the lead from Charles on lap eight, which was a nice little preview for the, what was to come in the race. Um, so good on Checo. He wins a sprint. He wins the Grand Prix. He really is claimed Baku as his own. He was, you know, it was this race was set up for him to win. If he didn't win, yep. then we would be worried, you know. But he, he, yeah, he did everything he was supposed to do. Chalk another one up uh, for uh, some Red Bull dominance. But this is um, this is really exciting that Checo's he put himself what six points away from Max. My math right. Let's check the standings real quick. Standings, drivers. Six points away from Max. Max has 93. Checo has 87. Let's go. And we're heading into Miami, which is another street track. Let's let's go. Checo, I mean, Max won it last year, right? If Checo can show up and get a great performance in Miami, all he has to do is win the race because it's a seven-point difference, and that would at least tie him. If Max got second and fastest lap, if Checo wins the race and gets fastest lap, that puts him in the lead for the world championship. And I think even if it's just for a split second, fans want to see that. Yeah. I mean, to to see anybody, you know, battle Max, people are going to be excited. (laughs) Sergio's... Yeah. Oh, 100%. I think anytime you just have a juggernaut of the sport... In, in any fashion, you want to see somebody go up and yeah. challenge them. But and what greater, what greater and, drive? And when it's a good guy like exactly, Jacko, exactly, we, we we love to see it. You know, we're we're all here for it. And again, like I said earlier, it's not to take away anything from Max. Still love Max. If Max has another great season and wins his third championship, fuck yeah, that's awesome. You want to see a young phenom uh, continue to do well. Um, so in the Grand Prix race, started off as we predicted. Max overtakes Charles on lap four. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was Chuck starting from Max and Checo behind. It didn't take either of them too long. It took Checo a couple laps longer. I think, what was it, Max overtook him on four. I think two laps later, Checo overtook Charles. And if you go back and watch Checo's overtake on Charles, it was a lot more aggressive than Max's. I don't know if you caught it, but Max was like a clean, easy. He had the slipstream. As soon as that DRS opens up, that Red Bull just powers right through him. Chuck didn't even really put it's up a fight. in the same spot. Checo passes him. I, um, I don't know if it was in the same spot. I couldn't been, tell was, you. I want to say it might have been on the same straightaway, but I, I know for a fact it was, if it was on the same straightaway, it was a lot deeper. The turn it was one. was closer to yeah. the turn because, uh, yeah, Checo backs him off. He gives him, like, he makes Chuck flinch towards the wall. And it was, I thought, just like this great offensive maneuver to, like, not only pass him, but to, like, put that little bit of defense into the pass and back him off while he's passing. Yeah, make sure he's not going to... that's going to slow Chuck down Yeah, make more. sure that he's not going to make a move right back. Because well, especially if he's yeah, doing he's it in turn gonna... one, you know, right after turn two, you have the next DRS zone. So if Charles is right there with, you know, right. he can just pass him right back. So Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so it was a brilliant yeah. move right there. And then... Um, Shortly after that, we have, uh, what was it, lap 11? Uh, that's when Nick DeVries decided to touch the wall again. <laughs> Did you notice how many people were nicking the wall all weekend with their back yeah, rear tires? I, I know Max hit it a couple times. Checo hit it. Max did it. Checo did it. 
DeVries and Yuki mm-hmm. both did it. Lance Stroll did it. Yeah, it was wild. I, I was watching and I was like, there's debris all over this track. And then it took me a second to realize it's it's poster board. It's banners because they're all scraping paint and 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 fucking yeah. banners off of the walls. It was Aramco sponsorships yeah. everywhere you, and Coca-Cola. Did, and did you see? I think it was in Usenex. Uh, was it in the yeah, it was in the sprint when Yuki hit the wall and his tire blew off. Yeah, yeah, and the tire went yeah, solo. Did you notice like how it's been like almost every race now there's been a tire that's blown off the rim i did not notice that yeah it's like not good <laughs> like, tires shouldn't no be i didn't notice that that was uh we should talk about that a little bit yeah. too um i don't know if they ended up getting a penalty for that but alpha tauri got uh issued um investigation because of an unsafe release that car was jacked the fuck up all that hanging off that it was doing really messed with its axle because he went back out there and had absolutely no traction no. coming from it. It was completely lopsided. Did you see AlphaTauri get the investigation? In in the race? Uh, I think it was in the sprint when he lost his tire. No, I didn't, I didn't know about that. Yeah, they got put under investigation for an unsafe release because when they released that car back out, it was completely lopsided. They put the tire back on with the new wheel. But it was like the axle had completely yeah, the suspension bent out of was shape, broken. so the car yeah. was. Yeah, it was all. Was that what it was? Suspension. Yeah. Oh yeah, they got uh, they got in trouble for uh, putting that car back on track when it was clearly not safe to do so. Uh, so there was that. We had everybody touching the wall. Um, we got a great show of teamwork from the Aston Martin team and qualies too. Did you notice uh, Fernando giving Lance a little toe there? Yeah, I mean, through the whole weekend, they were really. Uh, like together in arms, it was it was great to see. You yeah. know, it's not often. It was nice yeah. to see that you see Fernando playing the uh, the teammate role and not making everything about him. Yeah, that's not often. <laughs> Part of me, I still I almost don't believe it. It's kind of weird, right? It's funny. Part of me feels it's it almost feels like it's still a troll or like, you know, he had given Lance that advice about, um, you know, how to do his yeah. brake setting or whatever. And then it didn't work out for Lance. It almost seems like he's putting on this voice, you know, tell Lance to try my try my suggestion out. It almost sounds like he's fucking with him just so that in a lap or two he can switch his differential back to the way he wants it and slow him down. Yeah, I back. don't know. Because before that we had Lance going, tell Fernando I will not attack him. Tell tell him I will not Fernando. Yeah. And then Fernando's like, yeah, you mean he can go for it. I don't, I don't, I'm not stopping him. In, it really interesting, like, just team dynamic there. I don't really know what to make of it other than like it makes me laugh watching it go back and forth because like I said, it doesn't feel real to me. It feels like Fernando's got something up his sleeve when he does moves like that. Uh, some kind we'll of see ulterior how the rest motive. Of, you know, yeah. yeah, it like it I'm, has an I, ulterior motive. I, he's got too I'm much sure Taylor Swift in his ear, dude. That's what it is. Yeah, maybe he's just flying high. Um, I You heard that I'm, rumor, yeah? I, yeah, that was pretty funny. You know, him getting questions about it and stuff was kind of yeah. like annoying. It's like, all right, well, you know, yeah. Um, of course, you guys are going to ask the questions about it when it's you know, we all know the reality about the situation. But yeah, uh, there was there um, was some actually. Go ahead. What were you going to say? I was just going to say like more. We I think because we talked about this before, we more kind of figure that it probably has to do with. Uh, the amount of money that he's uh, getting this year, and then sure, 
and, and probably and, what he's going to make next year. Yeah, po- Lawrence has been very generous uh, with his bonuses. I think since uh, <laughs> Fernando's been getting on the podium, you know, I don't doubt it. I mean, and Fernando deserves it. He deserves every bit of you know good things that can come his way from the performance that he's put in. They had a little bit of a rough weekend because you know starting with FP one. They had DRS issues, which I don't even know if they were able to fix by the race on Sunday. Yeah, it looked like it was fixed come race time, but that definitely set them back. They could have qualified better. Yeah, they, they um, weren't dealing with that. They but. looked slower than uh, they looked slower than the Mercedes at least this weekend, and the Ferraris, yeah. at least the Ferrari of Charles Leclerc. Who, man, I think that dude might be just the greatest qualifier in F one history. Or he's at least tossing his name in the ring, you know. Over yeah. one lap, that guy seems unbeatable, but his racecraft needs a little bit of work. Yeah, and you, you know they're struggling with tire life in their car, so yeah, they're getting a lot. They can, of they can keep a great pace, but they can't keep it for a long time, you know. So they're they're limited in what they can accomplish. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I gotta re- but, retract my statement. Fernando finished P four. I forgot about that. All weekend before that, though, uh, I think Lewis was beating him. Um, everything aside, you know, I've said that this race was pretty boring. There was uh, some decent overtakes, like uh, Lewis overtook George. That was nice to see. Uh, it was I great. Love a, I love a good George overtaking Lewis. Fernando put a great move on Carlos Sainz. I think it was turn five. Snuck that right at the middle. Pierre Gasly put a nice move on one of the Alpha Tauris. But for whatever reason... Even with those like exciting little overtakes, something about this whole weekend was just fucking boring. Like even Did watching the race, it was boring. Like, oh, look at look at Pierre's going for it. I, was, I don't know if it was the broadcast crew being just a second late to every bit of action, or if there really was like yeah. a black cloud over. Well, over the- I mean, you know, this track is tough because you the cars with the you know straight line speed were the ones that had the advantage. Mm-hmm. The cars with the good DRS. And, you know, there's only really, there's mainly two spots to pass, maybe a third, you know, in between turns five and six, you saw a couple passes Mm -hmm. uh, through that little, like, short section. But other than that, there's not a whole lot of opportunities. So you kind of like, you get, you really got to make your move when you, when you get the opportunity and you got to, you got to make it stick. Yeah, yeah, and 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 once you do make your move, you gotta you know break make a little gap so you don't have the guy behind you just staying right on you so they can get DRS yeah. at the next straight. You know, so it's tough. You know what I think a little bit of it is is that this was just a little bit of Baku in its most true form. You know, the last few years we've had so much great drama at Baku that was kind of happenstance, like you know Hamilton and the magic button. Some other off-track battles, you know, Max, Max's tire blowing, Lance Stroll's tire blowing, all that shit that happened in Baku previously. And now we're kind of, nothing extraordinary happened in this race. And it was just kind of like, oh, that's Baku. Uh, yeah, I did I hear mean, somebody suggest, know. you know, putting Baku as a, a night race and doing it under the lights. Do you think that would up the excitement level for it? That might be cool, you know. I think that would look absolutely also, sick. Yeah. There's also a study probably you could do on whether or not the sprint race had any effect on that and some yeah. of the action kind of playing out. 
I wonder the if they're, on both they're days, gonna bring this so shootout like, back. Yeah. Do you think they'll bring this shootout format back, or do you think that this test was I enough liked, for them to see? I I liked this format for sprint mm-hmm. in general. You know, I think it's a better version of a sprint race, but then you can have a different conversation as to whether or not sprint races are good or not. But yeah, I don't know how I feel about the shootout. I think I think this was a bad track to get our first taste of it. Um, I wonder if they're gonna do the shootout in Coda this year because they're doing Coda and they're doing Interlagos. I think as sprint races, right? I wonder if they're gonna do the shootout at either of those two tracks because those are infinitely better for racing and for exciting racing overtaking. So if the, I, I would be interested to see how the shootout format works there. But at the same time, those are two, at least Coda is a bigger track. So you're going to have less traffic in the shootout and the shootout kind of favors a traffic heavy, you know, um, session for excitement at, at least. That's kind of what they were hoping was that, you know, by shortening the amount of time that cars are allowed to be on track that is going to cause all this traffic. And it kind of doesn't. It just was like, mm, all right. No, it just, it just, if anything, it probably spread the field out because some teams got, like Alpine, exactly. for instance, got, got caught out with just having the wrong setup. So yeah. they didn't really have the opportunity to adjust. I think they were expecting you know, a so. lot more people to get caught out in the, in the shootout too. And the only one that ended up on the wrong side of it was Yuki. That was literally, that was really it. Other than that, yeah. everybody kind of came out. You could say Max did, but but not by did much. He, was right? he not so. able to get a session in? He just had a bad lap. He had a he put in two yellows, I think, on his final lap. But maybe that was because he was rushed for time. Who knows? Uh, let's see. Other than that, I want to talk about. You know, we've had a lot of talk this season about certain teams and drivers showing up, and those who haven't. One person that isn't getting enough shit, and I saw it this this last race, where the fuck has Valtteri Botas been? That guy is phoning it in so unbelievably hard. He has been absolutely nowhere. Go watch, go watch Pierre pass him on the straightaway over the, uh, over the finish line. He could not have given a shit. I think he finished dead last in this race. Yep. DeVries, didn't finish. His teammate Joe didn't finish. Valtteri Botas was lapped. Valtteri Botas was almost lapped by Logan Sargent. A handful of more yeah, laps and that might have really, happened. I feel like he's starting to check out a little bit, and I think the situation with that team is not helping. I think you know, he got struggling. word that he's not going to make it to Audi, and he doesn't see himself in a seat. So he just yeah. cut his hair into a nice curly mullet. Threw on a tank top and some flops and is just cashing checks and traveling. Yeah, enjoying it while it lasts. And good yeah. on him. It's just you never want to see somebody, especially somebody as beloved as Valtteri Bottas, I think struggle in such a, a meek way. You don't want to see somebody sandbag it to the end of their career. But also, I don't drive a fucking Formula One car, so what can I say? All I did was take note of the fact that I, he's been – completely MIA this entire season. You know, they got a, yeah. they, they got off to a good start, uh, I think, in the first first race, maybe the first two rounds even. Uh, a complete 180 from what we saw from McLaren because McLaren got off to a dog shit start. They got off to a... And the Alfa Romeo team got off to a good start, and now they've completely flipped. 
not to say that that McLaren is back by any standard, but they look better. They look at about where the Alfa Romeos we thought were going to be. And yeah. the Alfa Romeos, goddamn. God bless Zhou Guan Yu for his efforts, but they look horrid. Yeah. I think that team's just struggling and they don't have the resources to, you know, get yeah. it back to where they needs to be. And yeah. Valtteri, you know, his vibes were really high in Australia. And I think that was, if anywhere he was going <laughs> to show that, you know, this season they're, they're going to be uh, battling in midfield that, yeah, just they also know that, you know, they have a, there's a light at the end of the tunnel for them. They have better things on the horizon as soon as, uh, as soon as Audi shows up. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll hope to see, uh, you know, a little bit better from Valtteri Botas and his, his, what's probably going to be his final season, if not one of his last seasons. Uh, but anyways, we finished the race with another Red Bull 1-2. This time, Checo leading Max. Max ahead of Leclerc. Ferrari getting their very first podium of the season. And good for them. That was a that was a hard-earned one, I think, for Chuck. Yeah. You know, he did what he had to do. He was had to be out there with no toe. You know, he was just by himself pretty much the whole time. He wasn't able to catch DRS train or anything. And... Uh, he went out there, didn't make any mistakes, just rode a good race, and that's uh, him in that yeah. on the podium is what he one. deserves. Yeah. We also found out uh, going into the weekend that Baku had signed a new contract through what was it, twenty twenty six? Correct. I think that was. Hopefully, they can put together a better, better package because, like I've said all day, that was a fucking boring race. The most exciting portion of that race was almost a goddamn massacre. I mean... You know what I'm talking about? No. What? Uh, Esteban Ocon pit lane, oh, very yeah. last lap of the race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was a mess. That was the most exciting portion of the race for me, for the announcers, for everybody. It also pissed me the fuck off. I don't know how you felt about it, but that is absolutely ridiculous. For those of you who didn't see it, I don't know what you were watching, but you completely missed out. I was talking to Cole Dickey, um, former guest on the show, and he somehow missed out on it. I think he said he dozed back off because we have to watch at 4 in the morning here. He dozed off on the last lap of the race knowing that nothing was going to change, and he missed it. But it's Esteban Ocon, very last lap of the race. He hadn't pitted. He'd gone the entire race on a set of hards, so he has until the very last lap to pit for his one mandatory tire change in which he put on softs. So he hauls into the pit lane. Meanwhile, right at the pit lane entry, something like 20-something photographers are crossing the road right there. Some of them literally had to jump out of the way to miss this F1 car that travels at a minimum speed of somewhere between 50 and 80 miles an hour. Open wheel. That could have been an absolute disaster. What is the FIA doing? A, not having some kind of a spotter at the pit lane entry. If you're going to allow people to cross that trackway, that little roadway, Mid-race, to go up along the gate. Not even, or not mid-race, but during the race, the last lap is still part of the race. You still have cars legally allowed to come in. It's in the rule book. If you're going to let people go in, you need to have a spotter, or you need to not allow them to go back in there until the race is completely done, and they can be yeah, sure that I there's mean, no cars coming in. Do you remember what happened? I think it was in cart in either the 80s or the 90s. Remember the cart series? When one of the track marshals got hit by an open-wheel car? You know what happens? 
when you get run over by an open wheel car? I wish we were able to ask that guy, but we can't because he's dead. That is what happens when you get hit by an open wheel car. They are high powered machines. That was almost 20 people who got mowed down by this thing. And part of the reason I, I'm so fired up about it is because everybody made such a big stink about it, and rightfully so, when that tractor came onto the track last year in Suzuka. Remember what, what a giant mm-hmm. storyline that was? Between the drivers, between, yeah. you know, uh, uh, spectators, officials, the FIA, everybody. It, it was a giant, giant story because there was a tractor on track, and, you know, no disrespect to uh, um, Jules Bianchi, he passed away in that accident. But everybody's making this, or in the you know a previous accident, and that's why the tractor on track was a big deal. And everybody made a big deal about it being back on track last year. This needs to be made a bigger deal of, because while, yeah, one driver at a time is being put at risk, all those photographers, 20 at a time, were put at risk. This would have been international headlines had he clipped any single one of them. And good on Espan Ocon for being on his P's and Q's and letting off the gas because had he looked down at his Delta in that moment, had he coughed, sneezed, or taken time to check out the sights, he could have knocked somebody's fucking foot off. Yeah, I mean, it could have been as simple as the stewards just paying attention to the fact that Esteban hadn't pitted yet. Yeah, so you know he's got to come in. They know he's going to be coming in. They have to be make you know, take... Just sending a signal down to security. If they were just as saying, much as hey. watching the broadcast, they would have known that he still had to come in, because the broadcasters were making note of it. I was making note of it. You look at the, you look at the TV graphic and you go, oh, "Shit, Esteban Ocon, it's <clears throat> lap fifty. He hasn't pitted yet. He's gonna have to come in." Yeah, or he's but gonna the security personnel, complete the security personnel put setting up that rope across the way doesn't uh, isn't paying attention yeah. to the race you know so that's why it's on the stewards to make sure that they're doing that know, was bonkers what they i mean be doing. i'm glad it wasn't that nothing happened i just part of what really made me uh fired up about it was the fact that it was swept so much under the rug when other instances you know of the same caliber were made this giant deal uh other than that well i don't know well, I was going to say, you know, maybe in this era of uh, FIA management, they try to, you know, be a little more hush-hush about their mistakes. Oh, they do. They sweep that shit under the rug like the CIA. They're the mafia when it comes to not letting people know what they're up to. Um, Other than that, boring race, good on Checo. Um, This sets us up for Miami. Let's get into three bold predictions before we wrap this up. Do you already have three ready to go? Because I don't. No. (laughs) All right, let's go one at a time then. Um, Are you jotting these down? I'll do one. Sure. I'm going to say Sergio Perez wins the Miami Grand Prix. Okay. Sergio wins Miami Grand Prix. That's my my first one. You got one ready to go? I I need to be a little more bold because of my, you know, I got a lot of flack last week about my predictions, so. Yeah, you got to start taking risks. I'm going to say... We're going to see a new driver on the podium this weekend. I like that. Like that. I was going to, I thought you were going to say that we were going to see a new winner. I'm not, no, I'm not going to be that bold. Okay. But, you know, Sergio wins. That would be great. You know, I feel like Max is most poised. But I'm going to go with a top team. And I mean that by, we'll say, we'll consider the, 
the top teams the being the top three in the standings. So let's say that one of a Red Bull, an Aston Martin, or a Mercedes will DNF in the race. Say that again. One of the top teams, either a Red Bull. I'm saying the top teams, by that phrase, I mean the top three. So Red Bull, Aston Martin, Mercedes. I'm saying one of them will have one car DNF. Okay. So one of Verstappen, Perez, Alonzo, Stroll, Russell, or Hamilton will DNF in Miami. Got it. Um, I'm going to say Hamilton does better than Russell again. Okay. For my final one, I'm going to involve George in this again. This is one that I've used before, and I'm going to recycle it. I'm going to say George will make contact with somebody. <laughs> That's almost not even bold anymore. He's well, it's just going to be every week. Yeah. If I hit if I and hit on that one if it. I hit on that one this week then uh, I'll have to put that one away and and not yeah. be able to use it because that's going to be as common as you know Max getting on the podium. Did you did you see him overtaking Stroll in the pit lane? I didn't. When the safety car went up, uh, George passed Stroll in the in the pit lane. Like snuck ahead of him, like went up side by side and snuck ahead of oh, him. Oh shit! Was it like a dirty move or? Yeah, it was just like a little sneaky, cheeky move on him. He had the space and he just went for yeah, it. Interesting. Can't hate on him for that. So there we go. Do yeah. you have one more that you have to make? Um, new driver on the podium. Yeah, let's see. Hamilton. Yeah, you need to make one more bold prediction. Bold, bold, bold. Uh, okay, let's see. Hmm. Um, how bold I want, uh, it's going to be about Logan. It's going to be, uh, his home, home race, Florida boys. I didn't even think about that. I, I want to say it's going to at least be his best finish of the year. That's bold enough. I, I don't, yeah, I feel like that's, that's probably, uh, that's good. His top finish of the weekend or of the season. Logan had, Logan has best finish of season. Maybe not of. I mean, I guess it's hard to. Yeah. Okey doke. Let's do one more thing. Say the, not, I won't, it's not going to be the entire season, but of, no, of, the, season so, so of far. the season so far. Speaking of the season <laughs> so far, I had mentioned a couple of weeks ago that I wanted to start ranking races as we saw fit for uh, the best races of the season. Azerbaijan, for me, immediately goes back to number four. I'd say that has been the worst. I would go Bahrain at number three and then Jeddah at two. And Australia, I think, so far has still been the best race of the season. Do you disagree? No, I would agree. Hiller. Wholeheartedly. All righty, let's get into our fantasy recap. Uh, coming out of this, I stretched you out a little bit. I gained a little bit on you. Yeah, my I got I was weary about the Haases, so I switched out. I needed to switch out Hulkenberg. Yeah. And I, it was between, it was like, Albon, Joe, and I was even eyeing Yuki a little bit. I was like, I don't know, Yuki. He's been on a roll. He's got a, he's got a vibe happening. Yeah. I uh, I got lucky. I and I ended up picking Joe, and then that that lost me. Yeah, I dropped Joe um, last minute. I ended up dropping Guan Yu Joe, and I took Alex Albon, kind of just on a hunch feeling, and it didn't play pay out in dividends. I only got two points from it, but it you know I would have lost a lot more. 
Um, so fantasy recap is myself in first. You are in second. Susie Wolf stand account stays in third. Church of Check Hose moves up to fourth. Jay Money moves up to fifth. Strolling with my homies down to sixth. Let's go full throttle. And KJ still in dead last. Anything else, Brandon? I think that's it. Looking forward to Miami. It's going to be, uh, hopefully the weather's great. Um, it'll be, you know, great to see them come back stateside, yeah. you know? I'm excited to have them back. Be a lot of uh, celebrities there. It'll be funny to, it'll be funny to see, uh, if Shaq shows up again. Um, yeah, Shaq's been a mainstay at, uh, every U.S. U.S. operated race. Um, he's kind of the face of F1 for the United States. Him and Brad Pitt, they're a little bit more of, uh, the face of American F1 than Logan Sargent, unfortunately. Either way, we will see you guys in Miami. Maybe we'll get it together for a, a little bit of a Miami Grand Prix preview and uh, see how we feel about that going into the weekend. This has been Into the Chicane. We'll see you guys next time. Peace. 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 Peace.